We celebrate today the patronal feast day of the United States of America, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, a dogma of the faith, uh, and it is our country that has been placed under Mary's patronage under specifically her title of the Immaculate Conception. I always like to call to mind, though I don't know if I've ever said it before in a homily, but um, this particular observance of faith, the, the word immaculate, uh, can bring us to a connection to a popular coffee drink. If you go into a coffee bar and ask for a cafe macchiato, it's the same root word, immaculate, macchia, which in Italian is a spot. So a cafe macchiato is a spotted coffee, a coffee with a spot of milk. Immaculate, in its usage here, to be clear, does not refer to coffee. It refers to Mary having been conceived from the first moment of her life in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, immaculate, without spot, without stain of original sin. And that is the calling that all of us have by God's choice. As we heard in the second reading, God the Father has chosen us in the Lord Jesus and has blessed us in Christ from the foundation of the world with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, chosen us to be holy and without blemish, without spot before him. The question is, how will we be without spot, without blemish before God? And so the root, the theological root of our observance today in faith of the Immaculate Conception takes us right back to that foundational event of the fall, that first choice of disobedience by Adam and Eve and the ushering in of original sin, which then brought contractually to everyone sharing human flesh from thenceforward the stain, the blemish of sin, original sin, but also the inclination to commit our own personal sins. The good news in the face of that original sin, the fall that we heard about in the first reading from the book of Genesis, is that God has a plan to undo the disorder and the harm brought into his creation by that choice of disobedience and sin. And he announces that plan in the book of Genesis in the segment that we heard, that he would put enmity between the serpent and the woman, between the offspring of the serpent and the offspring of the woman. But the question becomes an important theological question to wrestle with, which the church has wrestled with, and that is, if Eve is the mother of all the living, as we heard in that reading, and if after the fall she can only pass on to her descendants morally compromised flesh, how is it that God will accomplish this plan of salvation by the incarnation, that is, by uniting himself to human flesh. If the flesh available is morally compromised, how will he who is God and cannot be in coexistence with sin, how will he unite himself to that? For we know, as the book of Revelation says, nothing unholy, nothing marked by sin can be in God's sight. That's the fundamental question kind of hanging in the air. If Eve is the mother of all the living, and she is to pass on from the moment of the fall moving forward to all descendants thereafter, 
morally compromised flesh, how will God accomplish the incarnation? And the answer is what we call the Immaculate Conception. That by a special gift, a special grace, God, having in view what he desired to do in the incarnation, to unite himself to human flesh, chose Mary to be the mother of the Son of God, to be the one who would bring, by uniting human flesh in her womb, to the world, the Savior. And so he had to give her in advance a particular gift, a prevenient grace, you'll hear in one of the prayers coming up in the Mass, a grace that comes ahead of time, that in view of what the Son would accomplish, God knowing that and seeing that, he would apply redemption to Mary from the first moment of her life and preserve her from all stain of sin. It's not that she didn't need to be saved. No, it's very fundamentally a question of what would happen. And so from the first moment of her life in, the conception of the, uh, in, in Mary's conception in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, we believe and express in faith that God acted in this way to give her the particular gift of being preserved from blemish, preserved from spot, from stain of sin. And she, Mary, in her freedom, after having been born, living her life as a woman of faith, chose constantly to live in grace and in holiness. And by that, by being spared in advance of the fallen flesh that would be passed on to any descendant of Eve's, God established the possibility that human flesh that is not morally compromised could be united to him and was in Jesus Christ the Savior. It seems to me interesting to note, and here we have to move from theology and move away from the scriptures, the authoritative scriptures, to consider what was taking place in the world around the time that this dogma of the faith, the Immaculate Conception, was proclaimed. Now, don't be fooled that because the dogma was finally formally defined in 1854, that somehow no one believed it ahead of time. Well, no, that's not true. It, be it was believed well in advance of that. But it became important to define that as a formal part of our faith in 1854. And what I think is interesting is that only four years later, in 1858, when Our Lady appeared to St. Bernadette in the backward town of Lourdes, France, she announced herself, and when St. Bernadette asked, who are you, she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. Now, that may not sound all that noteworthy to us who have access to so much information, and while I won't dare to say I can prove this absolutely, it is a reasonable conclusion and thought to consider that it's highly unlikely that St. Bernadette in the backward town of Lourdes, France, four years after the Pope defined the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, would have even heard he had done so. <laughs> Things did not get around the world as quickly as they do now, and nor were folks all that interested. They had too many things of real-world things in their home to take care of to stay alive. It's not like today where we hear that the Pope has said something and we can download a PDF of it and drink it with our cafe macchiato in the morning. <laughs> and so I just think it's very interesting that around this time when the Immaculate Conception was formally defined as part of our faith, that Mary appears and announces herself to St. Bernadette, a little girl in France, I am the Immaculate Conception. It's an important announcement of Mary's identity for us to hear because it gets at the heart of the fundamental question of how God will solve the fall 
how he will unite himself to human flesh in Jesus the Christ, and how he will save us from the sin that has brought disorder and harm to his creation. We express faith this day that God, seeing the plan he desired to put into place, gave Mary this grace and this gift, saving her beforehand, if you will, from every stain and sin, that he might accomplish the desire he has for all of us to be able to live in his presence, free from sin, because we cannot be in his presence if we are marked by sin. And so fundamentally, our celebration of the Immaculate Conception and this gift to Mary is about the gift that God wants to give to us, the Savior. How God wants to give to us the fulfillment of his desire and his plan that we heard about in the second reading. Brothers and sisters, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him.